Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. So turn in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 37. And this was heavy on my heart, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. Actually, I had a whole different beginning to this message, and I heard the Lord speak yesterday. The Holy Spirit said, Ezekiel 37. So we're going to start with that this morning, Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to be reading, if you have a digital version and you want to follow along with me exactly, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation. Ezekiel 37, we're going to start in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 Okay. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slains, that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that the Lord, that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. I want to prophesy to you this morning and tell you that the Lord is saying, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and you will live. I am going to put my spirit inside of you and you will live. The Lord is taking you from hopelessness into hope. He's putting his Holy Spirit inside of you and he's taking you out of hopelessness and into hope. The Lord is saying this morning, I believe he's saying, I'm resurrecting every dead situation in your life and I'm bringing it back to life. I'm bringing life back into it. I'm breathing life back into it. The Lord is saying, I'm bringing you through the trial and back into peace. 
In Ezekiel 37, the Lord is prophesying life over his people, and he's saying that he is going to put his spirit in us that we may live. So I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit. God has put his spirit in you so that you would be empowered in this life now. If you were here last week, I talked about salvation, that word in the Greek that's that word sozo that means saved, healed, delivered, perfect, whole, lacking nothing. And I talked about how God wants us to live that kind of an overcoming, powerful life now. And the way that we live that life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You were not meant to do this life without the Holy Spirit. You cannot live that kind of victorious life, that sozo salvation that God has for you without the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's been on my heart this, this week to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and about hearing His voice. And my prayer this year is that we're going to hear the, the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit corporately and individually greater than we've ever heard it before. And that we're going to, be, we're going to learn to be led by His voice. We're going to learn the difference between our internal voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So in Ezekiel 37, the Lord is prophesying life over his people. He's saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you. That's his Holy Spirit. That you will live life and life more abundantly. God wants us to be led by the Holy Spirit. And every single believer can hear his voice. Every single believer can hear his voice. You have inside of you, Romans 8.15 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The very same spirit. You don't need a mediator to connect you to Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you, and he wants to speak directly to you. This whole Christian life, it's about relationship with your creator. He's drawing you into a relationship with himself. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. This whole deal is about relationship. God never wanted a mediator. In the Old Testament, we had the priests, and the priests had the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, not everyone had the Holy Spirit. The priests had the Holy Spirit. The king would have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God would put the Holy Spirit on certain people to do certain things. But since the priests only had the Holy Spirit, the people would come to the priests to hear from the Lord. But God has done away with that system, and he's removed the veil. The veil has been torn, and you can come directly to him. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So there is no super-Christian believer that can hear the Holy Spirit more than you can yourself. Amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to speak directly to you. No one is more spiritual than you, and it's not the job of any other person to hear God's voice for you. Our job as pastors is not, is not to hear the voice of God for you. It's to help you hear his voice. It's to actually take your hand and put it in the Holy Spirit's hand. It's to take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand. It's to connect you to the Father, not to connect you to us, not to make you dependent on us. Like, come to us and we'll give you the word of the Lord. That's not our job, lest we make ourselves like the Old Testament priests. The Old Testament's been done away with. You can hear directly from Jesus yourself. You can hear directly with the Holy Spirit. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law so that the veil would be torn and you'd have direct access to the Father. Amen? Now that doesn't mean we don't value prophetic words and, and, and all those things, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We absolutely do, and many times the Lord confirms things through us. 
But our job is not to hear the voice of the Lord for you. It's to connect you. It's to help you. It's to um, empower you to hear for yourself. It's in your very nature to hear his voice. Let me say that again. It's in your nature, once you've received Jesus, to hear his voice. Because your spirit is connected with his spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17. This is a great verse to meditate on. It says, but he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Jesus lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, so it's natural to hear the voice of God. It's natural to hear the voice of God. And I want to just submit to you that many of you, if you feel like you don't hear the voice of God, I want to submit to you that you're probably hearing it a whole lot more than you realize. And so we just need to begin to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit instead of our own thoughts. And it's, so, it's such a great thing to just ask. God wants us to ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. When I open the Word, I try, I try to remember just about every time to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. When I'm reading, I want, I want God to speak to me. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, when I read the Word, I read until the Lord speaks. He reads until the Lord speaks. So we want God to speak to us, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about situations and about, and I just had a, I'll save this story for another time, but I just had a situation in my own life that a day after I made a decision, I realized it was the wrong decision. And I said, Holy Spirit, I shouldn't have done that, huh? Yeah, I should have asked you, and you you would have saved me a whole lot of trouble, huh? (laughs) I just kind of laughed about it. But yeah, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and he is speaking to you. Isaiah 44.3 says, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Joel 2.28-29 says this, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. So God is saying, and this this is prophetic scripture, obviously this is hundreds of years even before Christ came. But he's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And in Joel he says, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit on all mankind. Now that was a big deal when Joel heard that because that wasn't the way it was. That wasn't status quo in that day. The Holy Spirit was not on all mankind. It was on a few, very few people and only Jewish people. But he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind, all flesh. So how do we know if this has happened yet or if it's still to come? Joel prophesied it. How do we know? Well, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about it. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter for time's sake, but I'm going to hit some bullet points. So in Acts chapter 2, the believers were all together in the upper room, and a mighty rushing wind comes in. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. And some people were saying, wow, there's something amazing happening right now. There was a group of people that were like, I don't know what this is, but it's awesome. God's doing something awesome. And then there was another group of people that said, these guys are drunk. They're crazy. They're drunk. And I've often found that when God's doing something, you immediately see those people form into those two groups. Some people are like, wow, God's doing something awesome. And then you see some other people being like, this place is crazy. These people are crazy. So what happens? Holy Spirit falls. Peter stands up and he says, these guys aren't drunk. It's only noon. They're not drunk. He says, these men are not drunk. 
But this is what the prophet Joel said would happen. He's talking to Jewish believers. They know exactly what he's talking about. He refers them to scripture. He says, this is what the prophet Joel said would happen. And he reads that same scripture I just read. It will come about, Peter says, after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all mankind. He says, it's just as Joel prophesied and it's happening now. It's happening now. So the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And on that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people were saved. People were just, you know, and I've seen this response to the Lord. We, see, we saw this in India. When God moves and he shows up, people were like, what must I do to be saved? We saw that in India. A whole family's coming up. How do we get saved? What do we do? So people see the move of the Lord and they're saying, what must I do to be saved? Paul, or Peter says, repent and be baptized. And that day, 3,000 people were saved. Now, do you realize that when Moses came down from the mountain and he brought the Ten Commandments, that that day 3,000 people died? 3,000 people died that day. But when the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people were saved. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, the law or the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Amen? So God wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you were born again, when you said yes to Jesus, God gave you the ability to hear his voice. God gave you the ability to hear the Holy Spirit. He gave you the ability to hear his voice, to hear the voice of Jesus. So I want to just talk to you about some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? What is his function in our life? Well, we've been talking about how he empowers us. The Holy Spirit gives us power. He gives us power to do the things that Jesus did. He gives us power to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus said, pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. What is that realm like? There's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no depression. How do we know what we need to bring the kingdom of heaven to? Anywhere where we see those things that are not in heaven, we know that's a place where we can bring the kingdom of heaven to. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to bring the kingdom of heaven with us everywhere we go. When we see fear, we have the kingdom of heaven that we can release over fear. When we see sickness, we have the kingdom of heaven within us that we can release over sickness. God has given us the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the things I do, you're going to do the same things, but you're going to do greater works than me because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is here to empower us to do the work that Jesus did, and he's here to empower us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in our own life and in the lives of others around us. Acts 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So God empowers you to bring the kingdom. He empowers you to share the gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, When they prayed, they, uh, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Another function of the Holy Spirit is he, when he comes upon you, he gives you boldness. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. Number two, he is the revealer. So he empowers us. And number two, he is the revealer. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit is here to reveal the amazing and the beautiful gifts that God has 
prepared for you and that he has for you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's here to actually, we can't even discern all the things that Jesus has done for us, all the things that God has prepared for us without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us discern what God has done for us and what Jesus, the, the depth of what he's done in his sacrifice for us and the gifts that God has for us. He's the revealer. Number three, he's the helper. John chapter 14, 26 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. In the Amplified Bible, after that word helper, it says comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. The Holy Spirit is all of those things. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's here to comfort us. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's actually praying for you in heaven right now. He's your counselor. He will counsel you. And he's your strengthener. He will strengthen you. He will lift you up. Why does he comfort us? He's our comforter. Because we live on planet Earth and we need comfort. We're all going to go through things. And the Holy Spirit's here to comfort us. Also, he's the convictor of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, his role is to convict us of righteousness. How many have ever heard people talk about the Holy Spirit convicting or the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Have anybody ever heard teachings on that or anything? The Holy Spirit's conviction. So there is, there, at least when I was growing up, there was a lot of things talked about concerning the conviction of the Holy Spirit that were just not in the Bible. So there is one passage in the Bible, and it's four scriptures that talks about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is the only place in the Bible that it talks about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's these four verses right here. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. Jesus is speaking. He says this, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So Paul says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict of three things. Righteousness, sin, and judgment. Those three things. That's what he says in verse 8. Verse 9, concerning sin. So in other words, the Holy Spirit's going to convict of sin. Because they do not believe in me. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? Unbelievers. He convicts unbelievers of sin. Verse 9. Uh, no, verse, we just read verse 9. Verse 10. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Who's he talking to? Disciples, believers. He's going to convict Believers of righteousness, verse 10. Verse 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Who's he talking about? Satan. So according to this passage, and this is the only place in the Bible where it talks about conviction of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not, absolutely does not, convict a believer of sin. Not in the Bible. I mean, if you believe that, you can believe that, but you can't find it in the Bible. According to this passage, he convicts unbelievers of sin. Why would Holy Spirit convict an unbeliever of sin? 
He's convicting an unbeliever of sin because he wants them to see their need for a Savior. He wants them to see their need for a Savior. How many have ever seen uh, Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort, The Way of the Master, when they go out and witness? You notice they use the Ten Commandments. You might think, like, why, why would they use the law? Because they're showing someone that they don't measure up to the standard. If you've ever seen them do this, they're, they're walking people through the process. Do you think you'd go to heaven? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Well, here's God's standard. Have you ever lied? Mm, yeah. Have you ever stolen? Mm, maybe. Okay, you don't measure up. <laughs> but here's the good news. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for you, and he attained righteousness. And your simple acceptance of him gets you into heaven. This is, it's extremely effective. That's how they witness. So why does Holy Spirit, so when they're out there witnessing and when we're witnessing, the Holy Spirit's actually working with us, convicting those people of sin, convicting them that they don't measure up to God's holy standard and that they need a Savior. That's why the Holy Spirit convicts an unbeliever of sin. He convicts a believer of righteousness. He will never convict you of sin. He convicts you of righteousness. Now, what does that sound like? How many know what the word Satan means? Somebody shouted out, accuser. The word Satan means accuser of the brethren. Accuser of the brethren. So how does, sometimes I've, I've known people, and I've probably done it myself, but sometimes we accuse the Holy Spirit of, of being the accuser. Or we blame the Holy Spirit for being the accuser. So let's say you do something, you really blow it. You really mess up, and you hear this voice. You're dirty. You call yourself a Christian? God's angry at you now. How dare you? Better not show your face in church. God's mad at you. Now, does that sound like the convictor of righteousness, or does that sound like the accuser? What does the Holy Spirit sound like when you mess up? Let's say you mess up, you blow it. Same situation. What does the Holy Spirit say to us? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a dearly beloved child of God, and you're far too amazing to be doing that. Get back up. See who you are. Keep moving forward. Remember who you are. He speaks to you. I almost saw a picture when I was just studying this week of like, you, we are royalty. He speaks to you as a royal king would speak to you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're far too amazing to be doing that. See who you are. Get back up. Keep going. He convicts you of righteousness. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. He also convicts us of sonship. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says this, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16 says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sonship. Same thing when you mess up. You're a son. You're a son. Get back up. You're too good to be doing that. Grace doesn't empower 
sin. Grace doesn't excuse sin. Grace empowers righteousness. It empowers you to keep going. That accusing voice doesn't empower you, does it? <laughs> that accusing voice has kept... I've heard people have blamed that accusing voice on the Holy Spirit, and they said, I can't come to church this week. I've messed up too bad, and the Holy Spirit's been working me all week. I can't. I'm just not good enough to come to church this week. And the Holy Spirit is like, rise up. You're a son. Now leave that thing behind. You're dead to sin. You're alive to righteousness. Get back up. Keep going. And he convicts us of sonship. He convicts us that we're heirs with Jesus, which is it's almost too hard to comprehend. How are we heirs with the perfect Son of God? He says you're heirs, co-heirs with Christ. It almost sounds offensive. Co-heirs means equal. Like almost as hard to even say that. He says, your co-heirs equal with Christ in God's eyes concerning righteousness. It's a pretty good deal. So he convicts us of sonship. So Holy Spirit's role is this. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's our counselor. He's our strengthener. The Holy Spirit empowers you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of the amazing gifts that God has given to you by God. And the Holy Spirit convicts you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit that you're a child of God and you're an heir with Jesus Christ. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. How important is the Holy Spirit in our life when we see what he really does for us? 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. We've talked about koinonia before. And that word koinonia means deep, intimate friendship, partnership, intimacy. The fellowship, the intimacy, the partnership friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He's your best friend. You're not going to find a better friend than the Holy Spirit. All those things that he's doing for you, convicting you of righteousness. How many, you know, if, if we let people down enough, you know, people, it's a natural reaction to be like, I'm going to give them some space because every time around, I'm around them, they disappoint me, Right? The Holy Spirit never does that. No matter how many times you fail, he's like, get back up. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. He's the best friend you could ever have. He's your guide. He knows. There's another scripture. I don't know if I read it today. But it says the Holy Spirit knows the heart and the mind of God. He's revealing the heart and the mind of God to you. He's your best friend. He's your counselor. I had an encounter with the Lord about three and a half years ago. And it was a lengthy encounter, but I just want to share this one portion with you. In one part of the encounter, the Holy Spirit reached out his hand. He said, I want you to receive my friendship. And I never knew him as friend up to that point. And he said, I want you to receive my friendship. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has his hand out to each person today. And he's saying, I want you to receive my friendship. I've been here all along. I've saw everything you've went through. I've saw everything you struggle with. And I don't condemn you one bit. 
You're the righteousness of God in Christ, and I want you to receive my friendship. I want to walk with you. I want to counsel you. I want to connect you with the heart of the Father. Would you just close your eyes this morning? The Holy Spirit's saying this morning, I want to give you my friendship. I want to give you my friendship. We weren't meant to live this life without the friendship, that koinonia of the Holy Spirit. We're not equipped for this life without that friendship of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to ask you this morning, how many of you would say this morning, yes, yes, I receive your hand of friendship. I want to receive that friendship of the Holy Spirit and receive his power in a greater measure. Just lift up your hand this morning if you want to say that. Thank you, Jesus. Hold them up for a second. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put them down. Thank you. So that's most of everybody. And I feel like we're supposed to do this this morning. If we could, we just put on some, uh, some music this morning. And uh, go ahead and just lower the house lights. And I want to have you if, you, um, if you raised your hand this morning, I'd just like to ask you to come up this morning. And Pastor Tina, could you come up? Pastor Angela? <laughs> she left. Um, just come on up to the altar this morning. We want to pray for you. There's something about coming to the altar. And there's something about us coming together and agreeing. And, and uh, we just want to pray for you. And we're going to do something uh, special this morning, too. Those of us with children, I know there's a lot of us here with kids. We're going to bring our kids in after this. And so after you're prayed for, um, Tina, Pastor Tina and Angela and I are going to pray for you. After someone prays for you, go back to your seat. And at the end, when everybody's been prayed for, we're going to bring in our children. And we're going to pray for them that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. How many understand it's not too young for them to start moving right now in the Holy Spirit? You know, I love watching Sid Roth. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show. And uh, I saw this one, I was watching it last night actually, with this 11-year-old girl that does prophetic painting. And she paints these prophetic pictures and they're usually for someone that God has a word for. It's, our kids are not too young to hear from the Holy Spirit. They don't have a junior portion of Holy Spirit. They have the full Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that God is going to do something this morning as we pray for you. And God is going to shift you into a new level of hearing from the Holy Spirit today. I believe that. And also, we want to pray for our kids this morning. And I want to just challenge everybody here, everybody in, in, in the sound of my voice, that we need to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need that friendship of the Holy Spirit, especially for those of us who had kids, because we need to teach them how to hear that voice now. They are going to need that voice in their life. Amen. 